The Guardian. When you hear the word scream, what do you think of? Maybe Edvard Munch's most famous painting? What about the Wilhelm scream, a stock sound effect used in hundreds of films ranging from Star Wars to Reservoir Dogs? Or perhaps one of the most iconic screams of all, the shower scene in the Hitchcock movie Psycho? These are all screams of fear, terror and pain, alerting us to potential danger. Yet, unlike other animals, humans scream in lots of different contexts. We shriek with joy, and maybe a little bit of fear, on roller coasters. Scream with pleasure, I'll leave you to think when, and occasionally cry out in sadness too. In these cases, there isn't any threat to us or those around us. So why do humans scream like this? What emotions do we convey by shrieking? And what makes a scream different from shouts, grunts and cries? In our study, we included uh, screams in emotional states of joy. The second positive emotions were uh, screams in pleasure. These type of screams, they have been largely neglected in the previous literature. I'm Madeline Finley, and you're listening to Science Weekly. you know, concerned colleagues walking past your lab, knocking on the door, making sure everything's all right in there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you have, actually. So it's like, um, if you have people in the lab or in the room producing the screams, I mean, sometimes you have people walking just by the room and then and they're a little bit worried. I mean, if you have people knocking at the door, you just explain, just saying, okay, this is an, ex- an experiment. This is not a serious uh, situation. But again, Hi, uh, my name is uh, Sascha Flurholz. I have a research group here at the University of Zürich for Cognitive and Effective Neuroscience. I also have a second position at the University of Oslo in Norway, also in the field of uh, cognitive uh, neuroscience. Sasha has recently done a study investigating different emotions communicated by screams. So the first thing I wanted to ask was exactly what a scream is. The first defining feature of a scream is the vocal and also the emotional intensity. And uh, the second, we have certain acoustic features in screams uh, that we don't see in any other type of voice utterance or vocalisation. It's uh, what we call <laughs> a rough feature. So it's this crunchy, this harsh acoustic quality in the screams. This is really a distinct feature of screams that we don't see in any other type of vocalization. It's also high pitched, I have to say. So there's a high level of pitch. And probably the third defining feature is uh, what we call a little bit the noisy quality. There's a lot of noise in these vocalizations. And these are all features that um, actually provoke immediate but also intense uh, reaction in uh, people listening to these screams. Do other animals scream? They do. For like animals that are quite close to humans, like primates, for example, they use a lot of different types of scream calls, um, first to express their emotions, but also to communicate with other animals. We know it also in animals that are a little bit more uh, distant from humans. Uh, Birds, for example, songbirds, uh, they also scream in certain contexts. 
this is one thing why investigating Scream makes it quite interesting to investigate because we can have this cross-species perspective. So we can compare the screaming of humans with the screams um, of um, other animals. But I have to say also one interesting thing about it is like if you look at different species, you can also investigate the differences in uh, screaming across these different species. And this was also one of the motivations for our studies because we know in humans they scream in a much broader variety of contexts uh, compared to other animals. And probably really the, the distinguishing feature in humans is uh, that we also scream in positive contexts, which we actually don't see really in other animals. So what kind of screams are we talking about here? In terms of positive screams, in our study we included uh, screams in emotional states of joy. And uh, the second positive emotions were uh, screams in pleasure. These type of screams, they have been largely neglected in the previous literature. Besides these positive screams, we had a selection of negative screams. Uh, We had screams that are in an emotional state of anger. We had fearful screams. Uh, We had screams uh, for pain. And we had screams uh, from sadness. Tell us about the study. How did you look at all these kinds of screams? In the beginning, we came up with six different types of screams um, that we thought are quite typical uh, for humans. Again, I just repeat, these were the four negative screams, so anger screams, fearful screams, sadness screams, and the pain screams. And then we added these two positive screams that we thought were quite specific to humans. Uh, These were the pleasure screams and the joy screams. The first part of the study, uh, we first invited humans um, to our um, lab and we had to record uh, these different types of screams. So we invited 12 speakers. We put them in in a soundproof uh, room. We asked these uh, 12 humans to express all these six different types of screams. One question in the beginning was, is there any difference in terms of the acoustic quality um, of these six different types of screams? So we took these recordings. We first performed a simple acoustic analysis on on these screams. We actually found that these six different screams are really different in terms of their acoustic patterns. This was a first important finding because we can really say, okay, humans at least have six different types of screams and they're really different uh, in their acoustic quality. The second phase of the study was then we took another set of human listeners and then they sit in front of a PC, uh, they have headphones, they have uh, six different uh, types of buttons and uh, they have to decide, okay, um, I was listening to a fear scream or I was listening to a joyful scream. And uh, actually what we measure is uh, the response time. So how fast, how quickly um, uh, the participants press the button. We also measured the accuracy, how much they misclassified the screams. And one interesting finding was, and this was a little bit in contradiction to the previous literature, we found that humans much more easily and with a higher accuracy could classify the positive screams, the non-alarming screams compared to the alarming screams. This was a little bit surprising because the previous literature always said um, the human brain uh, or the human cognitive system is much more tuned to the negative, to the alarming screams, 
We found it uh, the other way around. So humans are much more sensitive to these positive screams in terms of classification accuracy. In the final phase of the experiment, we took another set of participants to an uh, fMRI scanner. So we were looking at the brain, what happens in the brain of uh, humans when they listen to these six different types of screams. Based on the previous literature, the prediction was that the human brain, as shaped by evolution, uh, would be much more sensitive to the negative screams, to the alarming screams. But again, we found that the human brain is much more sensitive to the positive screams. So we saw higher activity in the brain, in different brain areas, especially in the brain area that we call the limbic system. That's what we describe as the emotion brain. This limbic system was also much more sensitive to the positive screams uh, compared to the negative screams. You said it's possible to differentiate between these six different kinds of screams. What are the kind of uh, differences between, let's say, a fear scream and a scream of joy? I mean, if you look, for example, if, at fear screams, uh, fear screams are really high in pitch. And actually, this tone level is also at a level where um, listeners would say, oh, this is a lipid aversive. They also like have a high, uh, what we call a fluctuation in the pitch. This is like some kind of high frequency oscillation. Joy screams, I would say they're not so much high-pitched. They're a little bit more at the tone level that um, other listeners would say, ah, yes, this is really joyful also if you listen um, to these screams. They're a little bit also more steady, more continuous. And again, for listeners, uh, they take these probably these distinguishing features and say, okay, yes, from the, the acoustic quality of the fear screams, I can hear, yes, this is a fear scream. Also, what we see, a lot of misclassification. So people make errors. And this is probably based on the fact that um, each of these screams, they share some acoustic basic quality, which actually makes it also a little bit difficult to discriminate these different types of screams. So does this mean that screams can be quite context dependent? You know, if you're walking down a dark street at night, more likely you'll hear a fear scream, whereas if you're at a theme park, you, you're probably going to hear screams of uh, joy and pleasure. This is absolutely true. I mean, the context plays really a big role um, to really make a, an accurate classification of the screams. Because, again, these screams, they share a lot of um, acoustic similarities. And to really make a good, good uh, discrimination between uh, the screams, the context uh, is really important. Despite the context, you did recall this surprising finding that we seem to be better at processing and responding to positive rather than negative screams, whereas you might presume that alarming screams are the most important. Do you have any theories as to why this might be? One idea is that as humans, we created environments where we eliminated most of the sources that we typically probably in nature um, um, would encounter as a, as a dangerous or threatening environment. This might be also the difference from humans compared um, to other animals. So in human environments, as I said, we mostly eliminate most sources um, of threat and danger. And um, in this environment, probably the, the positive emotions became uh, much more important. Simply also because, I mean, social interaction in humans are much more driven by positive emotions. So uh, probably, I would say this is just a rough number, but probably like 50% of, of the emotions that we experience in, in, in social interaction in humans are probably positive. 
and only the minority of these emotions are really negative. Uh, and um, I would say it's probably these environments and uh, also the importance of social interactions. And probably also one of the reasons is like the positive scream, the screams or like positive environments is probably also what humans actively look for. Now, I'm sure in the past year, many of our listeners have wanted to scream. And I wondered, has there been any research on what screaming can do for the screamer? You know, in cases of sadness, elation, or even pleasure, screaming might be a bit therapeutic. (laughs) Well, maybe, yes. I mean, you're certainly right here. There is actually not really much research on actually what is really the effect on humans after the screaming especially humans, if they produce these high-intensity uh, types of vocalization, uh, there is a reason why we humans uh, produce uh, these screams. It could be, as you said, it can have maybe some therapeutic effect or like you build up a lot of in- tension in your body, but then you also have this release of all this tension. And I could imagine that this release of tension is something that is extremely relaxing to a person. And again, imagine all these different kinds of contexts. I mean, a person feeling pain, the person screams, and then it could be that the scream could help this person feeling some kind of relief from this pain. So again, yes, uh, there should be some effect that the screaming has on the person uh, producing these screams, but no, there's not really much research on these effects on the, on the person producing these screams screaming might be therapeutic for the screamer but you have to listen to screams all the time it doesn't sound that fun I mean do you get sick of listening to them or do you think you're a bit hardened to it now (laughs) yes and no I mean the thing is uh, and probably this is the case for the most of the negative screams is like usually if I produce a negative scream is I want to alarm another person and usually the other person listening to the screams, usually we find the screams quite aversive. I mean, just um, imagine a, a baby is crying, a baby is screaming. And actually what a, an infant wants to do, it, uh, it wants to get the attention of, of the parents or, the, or of the caregivers, actually. And usually what a, 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 an infant is, the, the effect uh, that the infant wants to achieve is you want to have an immediate response by the caregiver. And usually, as a, I mean, most of the parents would have this experience. I mean, the screams of, of babies are quite aversive. And actually, what you want to do, you want to respond immediately to the baby crying because also you want to stop the baby crying because the sound of the scream is really aversive in a way. So, yes, I mean, if you listen to the screams a lot of time, I mean, it's like at a certain point you say, okay, now, now, it's, now it's good. But again, it might be the difference also with the positive screams because, I mean, most humans also, as I said um, um, before, uh, usually we try to um, enter contexts uh, where we also expect um, people screaming out of joy or pleasure. And actually, this is for us, if we hear the other person screaming out of joy or pleasure, we like it. And most of the time, we want the other person to continue the screaming because it's like it also affects ourselves. We probably also start screaming with the other person. 
Sasha, thank you very much for explaining to me all about Screams. Thank you also, Madeline. This was really a pleasure. Thanks again to Sasha for joining me on today's episode. Before you go, I'd like to mention that one of our Guardian documentaries, Colette, has been nominated for an Oscar for the Academy Award for Best Documentary Short Subject. Colette tells the incredible story of 90-year-old Colette Marine Catherine, one of the last surviving members of the French Resistance, who confronts her past by visiting the Nazi concentration camp in Germany where her brother was killed. For 74 years, she refused to set foot in Germany, until a young history student named Lucy enters her life, and together they embark on a journey of discovery that reopens old wounds and offers important lessons to us all. You can watch Colette and other Guardian documentaries by heading to theguardian.com forward slash documentaries. That's it from us today. Stay safe and see you back here soon. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.